Hi, Max. I wanted to share something with you. I wanted to tell you how grateful I am and how you've embraced your sobriety since day one. I'm grateful for how you changed your life. I'm grateful for the love you have for me. I'm grateful for you. Love, Mom. If your loved one is still struggling with addiction, you might not feel like you'll ever get to grateful. But we can show you how. At Karen, we've helped families overcome addiction for 70 years. So if your loved one is ready for something different, visit caron.org lost. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May of 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Hey, what's up, everyone? How you doing? Ben Kissel here, letting you know I will be screening my documentary, Hail Yourself America, all about my run for Brooklyn Borough President in March. I am so excited to see you all. March 9th, I'll be in Syracuse at the Funny Bone. March 10th, I'll be in Albany at the Funny Bone. March 11th, I will be in Manchester at the Funny Bone. March 15th, in Orlando at the Improv Orlando. March 22nd in Columbus, Ohio at The Funny Bone and March 29th, you guessed it, at The Funny Bone in Kansas City. So I am very excited to see you all there. Just search the internet. You'll be able to find tickets and we shall hang out. Okay, everyone, hail yourselves. Enjoy this episode. There's no place to escape to. This is the last podcast. On the left. That's when the cannibalism started. What was that? JFK. Mm -hmm. Such an important story in history. Absolutely. And also reflects upon one of the most incredible history lessons that the the world has ever been provided. Mm Mm-hmm. We didn't start. Girls <laughs> return. It's the world's return. JFK blowed away. What else do I have to say? Yeah, that's it. That's that it. Right. Technically, though, Billy Joel he had a lot more to say a after bunch. he said JFK blown away. That's technically when the story begins. <laughs> JFK blown away. What else have I got to say? That's the angriest Billy Joel has ever gotten. Well, you never know what's gonna happen. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to the last podcast on the left. I am Ben. Staring at Marcus Park's face. Hello. Hello. And then, of course, we have Hollywood Henry Zabrowski out there, who is bringing us the classic hit, putting it back in your brain. We didn't ignite it, but we tried to fight it. I think he says they did ignite it. No, they didn't start the fire. We did. No, 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 no. I, I <laughs> the swear to God. The world's been burning the, since the world's been turning. No, we didn't ignite it. It's like he no, does. I he just swears the didn't ignite it. You know? I swear to God, they say we did ignite it, but we tried to fight it. No, you. You fucking... Oh, my God. You don't have towels in your home. I do have towels now. I do have towels now. You no longer have an opinion that remotely matters. Nothing matters anymore. What you it say. all matters. But yeah, JFK, blown away. What else have I got to say? Cut to eight hours of podcast <laughs> about just that. Just that. And thank you, Billy Joel, for the tee up. He is the best piano man of all time. All right. You see what his fi- you see what those fingers do to a piano. Can you even imagine when it's like all over your body? God, I, now you're I just can't chan- imagine now you're it. just channeling your mother. 
Oh my, Billy Joel. Crispy fingers, Billy Joel. The old crispy paw. Okay, everyone, we are on to part two of JFK. So when we last left Lee Harvey Oswald, he'd just become aware of Operation Midnight Ride, which was a 29-city anti-communist speaking tour headlined by extreme right-wing former general Edwin A. Walker. Actually, and it was uh, it was middled by Bobcat Goldthwait. <laughs> oh, no kidding. Love him. Now, as we mentioned last episode, General Walker was by no means a fan of John F. Kennedy because Kennedy had removed Walker from his post in West Germany for trying to indoctrinate troops with his right-wing views and for allegedly calling Eleanor Roosevelt, quote-unquote, pink. If you cannot be a general trying to indoctrinate your troops with right-wing propaganda, what can you do? (laughs) I mean, just silence the man then. Well, I gotta tell y'all, some of you boys are just too tight. You're too delicious to need handouts from the government. Your cocks are too long and elegant to allow abortion. Uh, uh, General, why is it that you always mention the size of our cocks when you're bringing up abortion rights? Listen, I think we could have a longer discussion about this in the shower so I can make sure that you're as American as possible because a true soldier will get hard for his general. I'm going to call our president, Mr. Kennedy, and try to get you removed from your post. Is that cool? <laughs> Walker had been portraying himself as a righteous and patriotic anti-communist martyr, saying to anyone who would listen that he'd been a victim of the covert communist agenda that was being pushed by JFK along with various other insidious communist elements in the government and the country at large. Hmm. These people from across the Iron Curtain, they want us to start eating rice. We ain't eating <laughs> rice in Texas no more. We eating elbow noodles. Let's give the elbow to communism. <laughs> Ooh, I love elbow noodles. <laughs> Somewhat to the credit of Texans, when General Walker ran for governor in 1962, he placed last among the six Democrats on the 1962 gubernatorial ballot. Ooh. I mean, he was a Democrat. There you go. He was a Democrat? The oh, there was a big switcheroo that yeah, happened. Yeah, there was oh, a big the switcheroo. switcheroo. Yeah. A little, little flip-flop, <laughs> something like that. You know, we can yada, yada, yada. Yeah, we can yada, 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 all that, yeah. But that still meant that 138,000 Texans voted for General Edwin Walker. 138,000 people at least voted for shrimp-flavored M&Ms. Do you remember when they were trying to get the new flavor? I think it was the new flavor M&Ms or with color. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was, it was scrotum gray was what they voted for. Tastes like shrimp. That's the scrotum. <laughs> what that meant was that Walker and those of his ilk, such as supporter George Lincoln Rockwell, who was the leader of the American Nazi Party, very much had a strong contingent in Dallas when Lee Harvey Oswald lived nearby in Fort Worth. So they literally were like, you can call me a Nazi, but don't you call me a communist. <laughs> Well, I mean, there were people like General Edwin Walker that were like, yeah, well, he may be a Nazi, but at least he's not a communist. Different set of standards. Well, different set of standards, and they also made the the strange bedfellows excuse. Ah. I also don't know. I think it's got heavily to do, I think, with the racist vibes and who's allowed to do what. They really love the Nazis' ability to tell everybody exactly what they are supposed to do with their bodies and their religion. Right. And since Walker was so far right wing, and since he had the support of the biggest Nazi in the United States, Lee Harvey Oswald saw him as a fascist, which honestly is a pretty fair assessment to make. Okay. 
And just before Operation Midnight Ride was about to commence, Lee Harvey Oswald and George de Morenschild, Oswald's only friend, had a conversation about Walker at a party they'd both attended. What a bash that must have been. (laughs) I am sick and tired of all these people coming up to me again, sitting alone in my room, having a nice day. Just coming to my door? <laughs> uh, you sent out an invitation. What is this, cheese? This is just old milk. Cheese is just old milk. Yeah, but... <laughs> this is a great party. You want to talk about communism and how it's, like, not that bad? <laughs> well, according to George, Oswald was entertaining the old question of what one would do if they had the chance to stop Hitler from rising to power. It's a fun little thought exercise. Sure. And, of course, he's comparing Hitler to General Walker. And George almost offhandedly said that anyone who killed Walker would be doing society a favor. Hmm. And so, thinking that this was finally his chance to be more than an armchair revolutionary, Lee Harvey Oswald decided that he was going to be the person to stop what he saw as a new Hitler before things got out of hand. So he did the Cousin Eddie route? <laughs> it's his he defense. went down, yeah, wrapped, wrapped a bow around him. He's just like, look what I did, everyone. And everyone's just like, oh, that's a, nah, ah, <laughs> symbolic. But there had been other events occurring in the geopolitical realm that had influenced how Oswald was looking at the world. Just the year before, America had been involved in a disastrous operation that came to be known as the Bay of Pigs Invasion. Now, how could that be bad? <laughs> There's, I mean, honestly, Bay of Pigs, I'd rather, I would honestly, I don't want to invade a Bay of Pigs. I'd love to be invited to one. <laughs> it's a luau. And I'd pick the big, fattest, most succulent one, and I would seduce him, and he would think that, oh, I'm about to go and be, what a nice home I'll have, and what a nice setup I'll have, a little PS4 television. I'll, I'll, I'll lie to him, you know, and then slit his throat in the night. <laughs> Operation Midnight Ride. (laughs) (laughs) Well, to make a very long story short, Cuba at that time had just been captured by Fidel Castro, who, if you'll remember, only died about four years ago after stepping aside to let his brother rule Cuba in 2006. I mean, he officially died four years ago. He died 38 years ago. (laughs) The man was on life support forever. (laughs) You kept the brain alive. That's the only part that matters. Yeah, that's true. Now, back in the 60s, Fidel Castro was a bit of a boogeyman in America because he'd led a revolution in Cuba that replaced a dictatorship that was friendly to the United States with a communist state that was friendly to the USSR. And all of this had happened just 90 miles from Florida. And that's where my father was bravely defending our country during Vietnam on a submarine in the Gulf of Mexico pissing into Cuban waters <laughs> so they wow. would know it that, takes... that you see where this beer piss is floating that's where you can't come with your communism wow. Cubans. <laughs> it takes a hero it does and so the CIA using money that had been allocated by President Dwight D. Eisenhower sponsored and trained a group of Cuban exiles on the hope that they would retake Cuba and replace Castro with someone more in line with U.S. interests and ideologies. And that worked out great, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. See what we have here? It's called a potato gun. You're going to want to go in there. Now, people will, you scatter You will scatter the people because they're hungry. They will try to get the little potato pellets. But this potato pellet can also penetrate the mind of a communist. <laughs> 
However, while this program began with Eisenhower, the actual invasion took place in the first year of John F. Kennedy's administration, and the entire operation was a massive failure specifically because of John F. Kennedy. Someone forgot the pineapples. You can't eat pig without pineapple. Without pineapple, none of this is al pastor. This is a uh, obviously very complicated story within history that we're boiling down as much as possible. Mm-hmm. But this is this is uh, w- another one of those. L- let's just c- keep counting the amount of enemies John F. Kennedy mm. was breeding during this time period. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, basically, the United States was supposed to provide air cover for the anti-Castro forces as they stormed the titular Bay of Pigs. <laughs> but... <laughs> He sets us up for that. I, that's why I didn't laugh because Marcus sets us up because he always says, yeah, like, no. and that's when he returned to duty. And then, oh, titular. Oh, like this isn't going to, oh, the fat boys are going to laugh at this, he says as he writes. <laughs> he is right. <laughs> but the United States had publicly said that they were not going to directly involve themselves in the fight for Cuba. They said, this is between the Cubans. We're not going to provide any sort of military resources. Of course, that was a lie. You say lie. We say secret. <laughs> it's just a little secret that we're not going to just tell. We're just not going to tell everybody that we're going to help them. We're going to kind of force help on them. Yes. <laughs> in a way that they will definitely love. But when it became obvious to the entire world that the United States was indeed interfering in Cuba's affairs militarily because we had bombed Cuban air bases the day before the invasion, mm-hmm. John F. Kennedy pulled the air cover for the invasion itself and the operation failed. Now, of course, it was a dead giveaway when the remnants of the bomb were nothing but hot dogs. <laughs> and that is that is the that is tried and true when a U.S. bombs someone. We always put a little hot dog in every bomb. Hey, man, because it, it's always important. We may not get you with our dynamite, but we can maybe get you with a little bit of heart disease, <laughs> which is what we've been sending around this world for a very long time. Absolutely. But they openly told him that they only had half of forces that they needed to do this invasion of Cuba. Literally, I full-on... We were... The, the, the long goal... It seemed like they did a... Like a little, like, toe-in, saying, like, yeah, yeah, it's kind of a... Yeah, it's an invasion of Cuba. But, like, but they didn't really fully on say, like, no, we are gonna go, like, take Cuba. We're gonna go take over the whole thing. They tried to do it, like, light-style, like a right. diet invasion. And then when they couldn't pull it off... JFK pulled... I also did not know until researching it a little bit was that they had actually already done a round of air cover. There already yeah. was that whole... They, they sent a bunch of planes over. They yeah, bombed the bases, Cuba. They bombed a bunch of bases, yeah. That's how, then, ever, that's how everyone found out that the U.S. was a part of it because the Cuba, someone from Cuba went to the U.N. and said, uh, the United States is bombing us. And then the U.S. was just like, Big if true. <laughs> like doing the Gmail undo button. I mean, like, no, it wasn't us. It literally is just a classic American. This is an example of just classic American foreign policy where you go and you attempt something and you come back and you're like, they're really serious about being a sovereign nation. <laughs> um, so turns out, turns out they're dead serious about it. We don't, I don't know why, but they love it. They love what they perceive to be freedom. <laughs> Well, since the United States had still involved themselves halfway, Castro was able to portray himself as the man who was able to defeat the military might of the United States, even though he hadn't really. If the United States had fully committed, he wouldn't have stood a fucking chance. But 
that perception that he had beaten them back elevated his status in Cuba to even more of a national hero. And since the U.S. had acted aggressively, Cuba's relationship with the Soviet Union only got stronger, which of course led to the Cuban Missile Crisis the following year, which almost resulted in the literal end of the world. <sighs> Very dangerous. Both, of course, the uh, the people on board had the right. They could have bombed whatever. Mm-hmm. Thank God for the leaders on on those vessels yeah. that they did not. Well, naturally, this massive public failure on a global scale was gold for an anti-Kennedy firebrand like General Edwin Walker. And part of its Operation Midnight Ride speech was a strong suggestion, almost a command, that Kennedy should kill Castro. Mm. And who should be a gigantic supporter of Castro but communist superfan Lee Harvey Oswald? He had recently decided that Cuba was the true realization of the communist state, as opposed to the Soviet Union, who had been nothing but a disappointment. I mean, it is the Florida of communism. (laughs) It is a much better place than the USSR. Lee Harvey Oswald got mad like a Metallica fan after the Black Album, saying that USR went pop. Right? That they are they are now doing. They are no longer true hardcore metal. That Fidel Castro, though, is just sexy enough to get his attention. So, three days after General Walker gave his speech publicly calling for the death of Fidel Castro, Lee Harvey Oswald began planning his first assassination by doing reconnaissance on Walker's home. See, this is where... Oh, no, maybe that's a bad sentence to say. I was just going to say this is where Lee Harvey Oswald could use his powers for good. Um, but maybe that's bad to say. But when, no, no, you know what? He's a Nazi. No, I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to stay. This is, this is where he could use his demonic superpowers for good. Telling his wife, Marina, that he was trying to find a faster route from his job to Jagger's to an evening typing course. (laughs) Oh, oh, lock up your kids, ladies. It's an evening typing course. (laughs) Nothing like a nice midnight typing course. (laughs) Well, telling her that that's what he was doing, Oswald started spending his off time studying maps of Dallas, even though his job and the typing course were only a couple of blocks away from each other. But he said... I gotta be efficient here. I gotta figure out the best route. Meanwhile, Marina's life was only getting worse. Oswald would constantly threaten to send her back to Russia while at the same time being horrifically violent. One time, he choked her because she couldn't make red beans and rice, telling her that he wouldn't let her get out of this marriage alive. Jesus. I won't let you get out of this marriage alive, which is not a good thing in the vows as well. No, not <laughs> at all. Technically, that is, that is till death do we part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not getting out of this thing alive. But not if it's done yeah. to you. That's why if, you, if you're a, uh, a, a bridesmaid or a groomsman, just carry a little red flag in your back pocket during every <laughs> ceremony and just, just raise it if anyone ever says that. Well, I think you could say... One of us ain't getting out of this thing alive. It's <laughs> very dangerous. Yes, okay. Is that a threat or a promise? But you see him looking at the maps and being like, oh, I don't know what to do, Marina. I don't know. I don't know how to get to work faster. I, I, I got it. I should start living at work. <laughs> Are you George Costanza? <laughs> yep. Well, eventually, things got so bad that Marina tried hanging herself. Oh, my God. But when Oswald found her tying the noose in the bathroom, he slapped her in the face and called her stupid for even thinking about it. But while all this was happening, Oswald had discovered where General Walker lived, so he started visiting Walker's house and taking photos of the entrances, further extending his secret spy fantasy life. Because mm. now he's in full spy cosplay mm-hmm. in his way. He is out there. He now has a mission because, again, 
during this whole time period, especially the first half of his life, he was so sick of being what we called, you know, he said the armchair revolutionary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now he's really going to get his boots on the ground. And he has been, he has been so excited for this. There's a really interesting book that I started reading called The Idol Warriors by Kerry W. Thornley, who served with Lee Harvey Oswald Ooh. during the, when he was in the Marines. And he wrote the first draft of this book came out before the assassination. Wow. And it's a, essentially a character study of Lee Harvey Oswald and what he was like when they were all stationed together. And it's a overly, it's a paint a portrait of an overly serious person to the point of ridiculousness where he is now overcome with the, how everything's a fucking sham. Like he right. goes full, everybody's a fake. There's no such thing as reality. He's, get, he's getting like really, <laughs> really deep. But it is an interesting character study to kind of see how, what happens here where he's looking for meaning. Mm. all the time he mm. kind of has this idea that the, that he is supposed to be a part of the wind of fate of history and these are now him trying to take his like active shots and making himself a part of history then on march 12 1963 oswald ordered a 6.5 millimeter man liquor carcano rifle complete with a scope for 21 dollars and 45 cents and he ordered it under the name of alec hadell mm. This would be the rifle that Oswald would eventually use on November 22nd, 1963. He just got it out of a magazine, huh? Mm-hmm. Damn. Oh, yeah. Now, this rifle has become a heavily debated subject over the last 57 years, just like pretty much everything else in this case. Mm-hmm. One of the nagging questions about the rifle is why Oswald would order it under an assumed name when he could openly walk into any gun store in Texas and get one the same day. And he could use the fake ID that he already had. He literally could use the fake ID, buy it under a, an assumed name. Why would you create this whole paper trail? If you want to see a conversation that involves a lot of people adjusting their belts, it's when they talk about this gun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't uh, yeah, well, yeah, it's well, really that's interesting. <laughs> well, there are two reasons behind this action. One, by numbingly mundane and the other a little more complicated. The complicated reason is that Lee Harvey Oswald was continuing his secret communist super spy fantasy, and ordering Mm. a rifle under an assumed name to a P.O. box is just what a spy would do to avoid the attention of the FBI. But the more mundane reason, and honestly probably the one that had the most bearing on this decision, was that Lee Harvey Oswald had a coupon. (laughs) <laughs> no, <laughs> hold on a second. Wait, wait. This whole thing is about couponing? Hey, man, even assassins got to save money when you're on a budget. Uh, what did it say? How much money did he save on this coupon? Is it what? Extreme it, like- deal makers. <laughs> Search for that. My mom clipped coupons for a long time. She would not She would ban whole stores. She would not go to whole chains. Oh, I remember. Because of the coupons. My mom and I, we had a great Twinkie scam because they, re- they wrote the uh, buy one, get one thing wrong. So uh. you actually got a bunch for free. And then Piggly Wiggly kicked us out. <laughs> we had Twinkie. I've told that story before. My mom was yeah. very smart. It still resonates. <laughs> you ever shop at Gunamuck.com? Gunamuck? Yeah, yeah. New customers get 15% off of the promo code Kill the President. <laughs> oh, no kidding. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> well, concerning the accuracy of this gun, and this is one of the biggest points of contention, some derisively call the man liquor Carcano the humanitarian rifle because it's. <laughs> 
because it supposedly has a horrible track record as far as how effective it is at killing a man from a distance. But they do know that stray bullets kill people too, right? <laughs> so maybe it's just you just killed a wrong man or a small child? It's supposed to be bad for sniping. It's supposed to be inaccurate. Right. Yeah, but maybe, um, and then we'll find out, maybe that is a key to this whole mystery altogether. Maybe the <gasps> wrong man was murdered. Ooh. What did Jackie Onassis was a man? <laughs> Is that the biggest takeaway from our series? She's a man, baby. I'm going to go die. Man, I actually die now. I'm done. I'm done. And take this as you will, considering the source. But the FBI did run a series of marksman tests on the man liquor Carcano, and they found that in the right hands, it was highly accurate with low kickback. But it comes from the FBI, so if you don't trust anything the FBI says, that's meaningless to you. But in the hands of a trained marksman like Lee Harvey Oswald, he would only have to fire this gun 10 or so times in order to identify the peculiarities of his particular weapon. And Oswald came to know this rifle Intimately, mm. and for our gun nerds, this is as far as we can go. <laughs> I know that I, I don't know. I don't know how the rifle works. I don't know, but that's why we're saying the FBI says it works. We don't. We don't know. I don't necessarily trust the FBI either. I don't know. I, I watched don't. a PB the PBS documentary. I watched. They did. They did prove that it could be done. They shot those big old jelly things, yeah. which I love to yes. see. <laughs> and they were like, so they were pretty intense. So there was the, some. That's another must view for the series. Watch yes. the Frontline PBS documentary about Lee Harvey Oswald. It's two hours and it's fantastic. I love Frontline. It's so fucking good. The best. And so, with the rifle in his possession, Oswald put together an operations manual on how best to murder the general, complete with photographs of the general's house, a safe place to hide the rifle before and after the assassination, and a planned escape route. How much did that look like Wiley e. Coyote's plans to catch Roadrunner? <laughs> he did. He did a lot of drawing himself. <laughs> <laughs> then came the manifestos. Now, one manifesto is just Lee Harvey Oswald complaining about the failures of both the United States and the USSR, coupled with his ideas for a future society. Oh my God! I would love to have the leader uh, live under the leadership of Lee Harvey Oswald. <laughs> No jokes. What? What? <laughs> they, uh, there was a. It was called the Athenian Society. Was the name of his manifesto because he misspelled Athenian. <laughs> <laughs> but the second manifesto was as good as a confession, as it lays out specifically why he was going to kill General Walker. Mostly having to do with the fascist leanings and General Walker's extreme anti-segregationist views. And I just don't like to be up after 11 p.m. And he only <laughs> rides after midnight. I just don't like it. I don't like it. Then, on March 31st, 1963, Oswald took the infamous pictures in his backyard mm. that would grace magazine covers and newspapers the world over following the assassination of John F. Kennedy. On that day... Oswald played dress-up, cladding himself in revolutionary black, tucking his thirty-eight revolver into the waist of his pants, and holding his rifle in one hand and leftist newspapers in the other. Now, when Oswald asked Marina to take the pictures, she agreed. But when he emerged from their home into the backyard wearing his communist warrior costume, Marina just started laughing. 
Because he looked like an asshole. Yeah, of course he looked like an <laughs> asshole. She might be a bigger victim in all of this than JFK. You know, I just feel her life, it's just so bad to be married to a violent cosplay nerd oh, yeah. revolutionary. JFK at least got out quick. Yeah, that's true. And thankfully, he only got a little angry and a little embarrassed when she laughed at him. He didn't get physically violent. And Marina ended up taking the pictures just like Oswald asked. He then took the role to his job at Jagger's to develop the film. One of the pictures was given to his daughter, June, while another was given to friend George de Morenschild mm. with an inscription that read, quote, Hunter of fascist. Ha, 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 <laughs> It's fun. Why you? Why are you, uh, why are you laughing at the end of that Hunter of fascist line there, uh, Lee? Because it's the only joke I've ever made. (laughs) Actually, you know what? These are nice. Thank you so much, Maria. Oh, my God. Does my head really look like this in real life? (laughs) Do I really do this? Can you take this from a different angle so my legs can look long? What is this? It's just how you look, honey. I don't know what to tell you. Ah, no, I knew. I thought the mirror was lying. It's oh, always the worst when you take a picture with someone and they're like, oh, we got to take it again. It looks horrible. I'm like, that's how you look. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to tell you anymore. We've taken eight pictures. We've taken eight pictures. That's your face. But as it turned out, developing photos at work of himself holding a rifle was a bad idea. Hmm. And this bullshit was the last straw for his bosses at Jagger's. But, you know, this was really just the reason they'd been looking for to get rid of him. They wanted to fire Lee Harvey Oswald because Lee Harvey Oswald was a lazy, incompetent pain in the ass to work with. Communist. (laughs) Now, Oswald always started off at a job just fine. But as he got comfortable, his real personality emerged. After a while, Oswald was purposefully knocking into others and refusing to apologize. Ugh. Just bumping him, bumping him, just tr- just trying to get a rise. Hey, hey, get away from me, huh? Hey, you don't make room for me. I'm going to kill the president. <laughs> you know that? Oh, just, don't worry. I brought fish in to eat. I'm going to cook it in the microwave. You're going to cook <laughs> it in the microwave? And you're all microwave? fucking trapped in here with me, you pieces of shit. Lee, you know how like the office doesn't like it when you cook the fish in the microwave because of the smell hey, and everything. Guess what I'm doing now? I'm making myself yeah, throw up. Oh, God. I'm making myself throw up, but what are you going to do about it? Yeah. Can we fire this guy, please? Can someone fire this man? I mean, his fellow employees hated him so much. Like, it almost came to blows a couple of times. I would have. Yes. Yes. And when it comes to killers, as we know, there's not much that sets him off more than losing a job. So, on April 6th, 1963, his last day at Jagger's, Oswald put the Walker plan into action just seven months before the assassination of JFK. Okay, now, like, how like, how did he do that? Was he just like, and now the plan begins? Like, how did he do it? Like, what was the, was there a ceremony or a ritual? He, he did, like, track General Walker. He scouted him. He tried to see where he came. And talk about having so much time, now that you're unemployed. There's so much time to plan an assassination. That is one of the upsides of unemployment. Sure. <laughs> but if you can go there, you, he was watching him come in, and, come in and out. He photographed all of the train tracks and stuff that were kind of around General Walker's house so he can go hide. And so what he did was that he would run drills with his own gun where he'd bury a hole. He buried a hole and kept his gun inside of it, like by the train tracks. So he'd go and do time trials to see how fast he could do it. And slowly but surely built up 
his assassin muscles. <laughs> Man, if this did not end with the assassination of JFK, it's just, it's kind of funny. You know, yeah. it's kind of funny. <laughs> just seeing this guy scamper around a, a fascist house. You know, I was actually thinking about that when I was writing the script for today's episode is how many of these people exist in the world, but we just don't know about it because they don't end up going through with the plan. Well, there was a kid who practiced to be a ninja in his front yard until he was way too old, I think about 17, and that ruined his social life. (laughs) Um, I'm going to say, Marcus, that it's a very scary thought that you just said. I honestly think that there's probably... uh, I, with the population in America, I'm straight up, just straight up, like, I'd say 10,000 people tried to kill somebody today and they fucked it up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe they couldn't find a coupon. That's, and that's, a, sometimes all it takes. Yeah. yeah. But then that's why we say, hug your aggressive, strange acquaintances. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so on April 6th. Oswald traveled down near Walker's house, buried the rifle near some railroad tracks a few minutes away, and patiently waited for the right moment. Because that night wasn't the right night, but the right night would come soon. Oh, man. I didn't time this right. I got a shit. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I buried the rifle. I got a shit I've missed whole auditions because I've had a shit. (laughs) Well, eventually, well, in the meantime, Oswald was forced to tell Marina that he got fired, but he managed to blame the whole thing on the FBI. (gasps) How? Because the FBI had been coming and harassing him. The FBI had been telling everybody at work that he was a bad person to be associated with. Every time Oswald got fired, he always blamed the FBI. And I'm going to go out on a limb as things go on in this case. This is, there is so, it gets so fucking mysterious and so wooey wooey. At some point, I don't know what, when he's lying and when he's not. I think he's lying quite a bit. But we're going to find out that the FBI did have people watching after him. Like, you look at there, there are, he is being actively tabbed during this whole time period. So then you wonder, is this person a crazy person or an irascible fucking asshole? Or is he really being systematically essentially stalked and maybe almost prodded into action? By the by, various shadowy government agencies. I mean, it's a lot to unpack there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, three days later, three days after he buried the gun, Oswald decided it was time to enact the plan. He left a letter for Marina filled with instructions, but no mention of what he was about to do, because Oswald did not expect to return from the assassination of General Edwin Walker. Mm. Nothing thought- would have made him happier. Yeah. To have been killed in the line of fire. Nothing would have made him feel more of a, a communist martyr. Mm-hmm. He requested that she send information to the Soviet embassy as far as what was about to happen and to include any newspaper clippings concerning the event after the fact because Oswald thought that this would help her to escape the country because he thought, okay, she gives, she tells the Soviet government, my husband has murdered a fascist, please get me the fuck out of here. He then told her to throw out all of his clothing, emphasizing that he did not want her to keep it. Don't you keep my pants! <laughs> you keep those, you don't you dare keep those pants! Because I'm not going to let those pants that were made and bonded to history by my butt to be sold in some goodwill store to some other person, not a national hero. <laughs> Although he did prefer that she keep his military papers. Like, okay. And again, I think this goes back to him thinking like, 
I'm going to be an historical figure. Sure. These things are important to keep. Isn't it weird, though, that he is? Yes, it is. Yes. He also left her $60, paid the rent until the 2nd of May, and paid the utility bills for the month. Hey, $60 in 1963 ain't nothing to sneeze at. That's what I'm saying. He's a communist. That might as well be a billion (laughs) dollars. After leaving all that, Oswald set out to assassinate General Walker. At about 8.30 p.m., Walker was at the desk in his study finishing up his taxes with the window shades open. And that is when Oswald took aim from a path behind Walker's home and fired. How many anti-Semitic things do you think he said while filling out his taxes? (laughs) (laughs) No, it was only a fluke of physics that General Walker wasn't killed instantly. Oswald was firing through a closed window, but because of his position, he fired through the wooden frame in order to try for the headshot. As a result, the bullet was deflected so minutely that it merely passed through Walker's hair instead of obliterating his skull. Damn. And the bullet lodged itself into the wall just to the left of General Walker. But instead of taking another shot, Oswald buried his rifle in its designated hiding spot near the railroad tracks and ran back home. Super spooked. Really? Out of all the work, he, he already took one shot. I mean, I'm gonna say you oh. stepped up. You you are stepping up to the home plate of your historical metaphorical baseball game, right? Your goal is your Babu Bonilla. Do not mention it's the someone just got inning. someone just had to slam a bottle of pucker because they made a bet <laughs> with their friend. I'm gonna slam yes. this peck pucker as soon as he mentions Bobby Bonilla, and you just caused a car accident. <laughs> I think you step up to the plate. You've got your baseball bat. You're there with the hurler. He's got his burlap, and he's about to throw a real humdinger down the alleyway, right? And when you are stepping up to the plate, I do think that there is a there is a moment in time where you're very nervous. Oh, sure. I think that he the shot came out. I think he almost surprised himself. I think that he is such a loser that he actually never there was a there was one side of his brain that was telling him you're going to be a historical person you're going to change the tides of history you're going to do all this shit and there was another part of her brain that was another part of his brain that was actually entirely real and probably very uh, uh very aggravating where it was saying like you're mediocre you can't do it You've never succeeded in a thing in your fucking life. You, you, you've you strung all of this together. There's the little nagging voice. Mm-hmm. And then you take the shot. And then in that moment, you actually do become an assassin. And I think that it, it, after you do it, there's like a shock. Like you're like, I actually did it. I, I, I'm, I'm not the total ineffectual asshole I thought I was. But then you scamper. Well, I think Oswald just took the shot. And, of course, Walker moved. Like, he didn't just sit there. I think Oswald just took the shot and then just scampered away immediately without checking to see, did I kill this man? Oh, so he assumed that he had shot him. I think he assumed that he had shot him. I think he assumed that he'd killed him. That's like one of those weird things when you you see the guy at the grocery store and you have to pretend like you didn't try to kill him. You're just like, (laughs) oh, Rodney, yeah. Uh, Wow, you're still uh, here. Wow. You know, it's weird. Um, I don't mean to say anything, but, like, you're, you're... your head is like much smaller than I thought it would be. <laughs> Last podcast on the left is sponsored by Squarespace. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Thanks, Squarespace. With Squarespace, it's easy to create a beautiful website all on your own terms. 
Don't let anybody tell you what to do. This ain't your mama's website platform. It is, actually. It's actually be very easy for your mother to learn. You don't want to miss Fluid Engine. It's a next-generation website design system from Squarespace with reimagined drag-and-drop technology for desktop or mobile. I thought it was just the name of what my blood pressure medication turned me into. I'm, I'm peeing. Now, my goals for the year are I have two warehouses Filled with horse picks. Now, I know a lot of people, uh, obviously this bit has been done, but the Zendaya centaur picks are not going anywhere. And I've been trying to get the Judge Reinhold sitting on the Clydesdale line out. Uh, I need these moved, okay, because I have to move into the storage unit. Let's just say there are problems at home. So I need Squarespace to shoot this through the roof for me this year. And that's why I'm going to go full tilt and not only are you going to get the judge reinhold sitting on the clydesdale entire series clothes and non-clothes what we also are going to offer and i mean this we're trying to get into giraffe rides i brought this up the other day we got to start riding other animals but horses take pictures of the horses photoshop the horses into other celebrities but stop riding them save a horse ride a giraffe with Squarespace. Go ahead to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Squarespace.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It says right here, what would you do of another extra hour of your day? I mean, well, obviously I'd get some nunchuck training in. Oh, I'd make love to my wife. That takes about nine. That's a full nine minutes of that hour. And then I would probably uh, go to get a donut. And then I'd probably yell at my parents. But a lot of us wish we had more time. The question is time for what? I don't know. What works for you? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. And therapy can help you find out what matters to you so you can do more of it. You know that question? They're like, if you had a billion dollars, what would you do? You know, and like, you know, when I answer, it's of course, I would grind the government to a standstill with my giant machine of my making in secret for many years. But a lot of people get mad at that. And it's really hard to do that in a job interview or like when you're meeting somebody's like your significant other's parents for the first time. So, and we might actually want to think of starting therapy. So give BetterHelp a try. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash last pod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash L-A-S-T-P-O-D. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list. And if that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are designed by over 150 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Now, I love Babbel, and I love what they're doing for the people of America. But I went on there to find out if I could learn Fremen in order for me to go and harness the desert power that it would take to finally get the raids of the sand planet Arrakis. Uh, but they said they only offer real languages and uh, stuff that can really help people travel 
I think that's mostly what Babbel's looking to do. They didn't really, like, I called customer service and I asked me, like, well, how can I possibly harness the power of a million Fremen? And they said, please, sir, stop calling. And I said, but I, I'm doing an ad for you currently while we're on the phone. And Babbel, you know what? God love them. They helped me learn German. And in the end, they, they were right. Because German's a lot more useful. Here's a special limited time deal for listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash left. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash left, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash L-E-F-T. Rules and restrictions may apply. Now, Marina was understandably freaking out because she had no idea what Oswald had been up to. But after he walked back in the door, he told her the whole plan and even showed her the operations manual he devised in the lead-up to the attempted assassination. But Marina, who was dependent on Oswald for everything, had no choice but to stay if she wanted to remain in America. Because mm. that was the thing. Marina loved living in America. She didn't want to go back to the Soviet Union, but there was nowhere else to go. She was also kind of trapped. I mean, she obviously was trapped. Right. But there was a part of her, then she started thinking, because he would force her to write letters to the Russian embassy and saying, we're moving back. Like, he would do these, like, weird things, were very performative, being like, you write him and tell him we're coming back then. You write him and tell him. And so they would write them. And, and on some level, Marina, I guess, even said privately, if it would make Lee Harvey Oswald happy, maybe we should move back. So there was this whole, like, push and pull. Like, maybe he can go and be... Uh, uh, at least when we were in the USSR, he had a job. Yeah. Like he he could hold a job. He was he was living a like a, a life. They had friends and society. And now that he's back in America, things are really fraying, especially mm. after all this. It's never good when the glory days are in the USSR. <laughs> <laughs> Another great Billy Joel song. Yeah. But even though Oswald spent the next two nights having convulsive panic attacks out of a fear of being caught for a failure, I mean he'd be caught for nothing. Marina said he was nonetheless disappointed that the attempted assassination didn't make the nightly news. Really? Yeah. This was a big deal, and he was very, very upset. Now we're going to see a true... This is where the first showings of how deep the downward, how deep the downward spiral is going to go mm. started. Because again, he keeps... He's like, now I'm a man of history. Right, right. Now they're ready for me. Now they're all going to crowd around me. They're all going to, like... Because my mommy told me I was so special. Mommy said I was special. And now they're all going to show that mommy was right. I am special. Mm -hmm. And if you don't make the evening news... I mean, what was the big story? A, a raccoon didn't eat all the food out of your trash? <laughs> like, what was the biggest story in the evening news that night where... An assassination attempt didn't make the cut. It's Dallas. He's got stuff going on. Yeah, okay. And so, on Easter Sunday, after the manhunt died down, Oswald retrieved his rifle, burned most, but not all, of the evidence of the attack in the bathroom sink, and told Marina that it was about time to return to New Orleans. Yeah, we got to get down to New Orleans. <laughs> oh, man. I, I already miss Ooh. it just hearing it. I know. Zadiko. <laughs> Now, out of all the periods in Lee Harvey Oswald's short life, possibly the most contentious is his time in New Orleans. Because during the early 1960s, there was actually quite a bit of Cold War goings-on happening in New Orleans. Now, one might ask why Lee Harvey Oswald just happened to be around all these weird secret military operations if he had nothing to do with them, from the U-2 bombers in Japan to covert Cold War operations in New Orleans. But people like Oswald 
do exist in history. For example, Violet Jessup was a passenger on the Olympic, the Britannic, and the Titanic, all ships that famously sunk or were involved in major accidents. Don't go anywhere near fucking Violet. <laughs> what are you going to do? Not? Don't get on a ferry with Violet? Don't get on a subway train with Violet? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> But just because Violet Jessup was on board all three of these ships when things went awry does not mean that Violet Jessup was the one who steered the Titanic into the iceberg. Lee Harvey Oswald was much the same type of person, but actually on a smaller scale. He was around secret military operations in Japan because he was a Marine during the Cold War. And honestly, the book, The Idle Warriors, really explains a little bit about the idea of the what their lives were like and how you are on this covert base, but actually because you're in it's peacetime, it's fairly uh, boring. Mm-hmm. Uh, they used to call them, I think it was called uh, tube dupes. I forget his name. It was like <laughs> sc- scope dopes. That's what, what they were called, uh, the guys that worked radar. Uh, at the airborne space. Scope what were dopes. they called? Scope dopes. Scope dopes. <laughs> cool. And he was in New Orleans whilst covert CIA Cold War operations were happening because he'd been born in New Orleans and he needed a place to escape to after the attempted assassination of a public figure. That's right. I remember that when you drive into New Orleans, it says the birthplace of jazz <laughs> and uh, Lee Harvey Oswald. <laughs> but, you know, I'm going to go on a limb here. This is my, my theory is that the same people that say that this is super woo wee woo. Right, the fact that he is a part of all of these. I, I think the same people that get mad that when we talk about aliens or ghosts and say, "Oh, this these are leaps in logic. We can't believe like you can't believe this. You're just saying that you're believing this. You're you're putting faith in this." I think the same people that get mad about that are the same people that would take very often umbrage saying that Lee Harvey Oswald wasn't directed by various clandestine forces because he was involved in all of these different weird, weirdly specific, all of the spook shit from the 60s. He was in it. He was up to his eyeballs in it. I think involved is a strong word. I mean, I I don't think he was involved. I think he was around. He's like the biggest but, WWE fan in the world who got famous just sitting front row for like five years, <laughs> but he's never been a wrestler. But I do, I'm of those because I am a more woo-woo person. I believe that there there is not a real, there's not a coincidence that all of these things are around him. I think that, yes, he was a passive observer quite often, and he was a small part, like he was a functionary, he was a pawn in a lot of these things. But I think because of that, as we'll see as we get deeper into the series, that it actually makes him the perfect, dare I say, (gasps) Patsy. Whoa. Well, I mean, one of the main tenets of conspiracy thought is that coincidence doesn't exist. Yes. Even though history has proven again and again that coincidence can sometimes alter the course of the world. I call them coinkydinks. <laughs> of course. Coinkydinks are sometimes doinks. Yep. And when doinks happen, sometimes ships sink, presidents get... They're, they're, sometimes their heads just spontaneously explode. You're calling the assassination of JFK a coinkydoink. Coinkydoink. <laughs> that, that's the official Henry Zabrowski line? Yes. So two weeks after Oswald arrived in New Orleans, he found a job at the Riley Coffee Company, greasing the machines, making $1.50 an hour. (laughs) And pretty soon, Marina arrived pregnant for the second time with their daughter June in tow. 
Henry, why did you why did you smile when I said grease in the machines? Just I just coffees help me grease a lot of machines. <laughs> yes, <laughs> toilet <laughs> machines. That's it. That's all I am. Yep. Four hundred and one episodes. <laughs> Boom. But the life of a simple grease boy wasn't enough for Lee Harvey Oswald. Oh, come and give me a spanking. I'm the grease boy. I'm the... <laughs> if they don't, when I turn 18, I'll become a grease man. <laughs> yes, you will. Mm, legally. Pretty soon, Lee Harvey Oswald shifted his political beliefs into a new phase of activist politics, and Oswald decided to go all in with his support for Fidel Castro. Now, as we said, Oswald had become disillusioned with the Soviet system, and since he was always on the lookout for a place to belong where everyone would treat him as a special boy, mm-hmm. he picked the communist state of Cuba as his new never-neverland. He does understand that under communism, no one is special, right? Yeah. Like, but I don't th- think there's like some glaring misconceptions about communism. Well, he thinks he's going to be the special one in. The so he environment the, where no one is special. So he thinks Fidel is just going to cede power and just be like, you take it, well, Lee. He is just so special, Kissel. Right. He is so special that he will become special in a world of non-specials. And he <sighs> viewed the USSR as, as, as they went closer to communism, he saw straight, like, in person, what it was like to live within the communist system, and he did not experience any of the weird freedoms that he thought he'd have intellectually or personally. I don't know what he thought he would get out of it, but within Fidel Castro's version of whatever he's doing, he saw, well, this is now what a lot of people have tried to tout as a successful version of the Soviet state, which is they supposed to really help, but then we find out later on that, you know, that... Maybe it was not so, but I love that one, the, uh, searching for sur- sugar cane, and I love that. I love the, the saxophone music. <laughs> I love that too. I just Buena want- Vista Social Club. <laughs> we could all take one tenth of the confidence from Lee Harvey Oswald. <laughs> just a little injection of that, perhaps. So Oswald declared himself the founder and president of the New Orleans branch of the Fair Play for Cuba committee, and started. How many people? How many members did it have? Mm, one. Oh wow! wow. <laughs> That's all you need. You are president. You are secretary. You are treasurer. You're the driver. You're the chef. Whoa. You're everything. You're the most special member of the New Orleans branch of the Fair Play for Cuba. But hey, he started printing up pamphlets so he could recruit more members. Okay. Now, the Fair Play for Cuba Committee was an actual organization based out of New York City, whose purpose was to provide grassroots support for Fidel Castro here in the United States. Well, the Frontline documentary said that Lee Harvey Oswald called up the Fair Play for Cuba Committee and asked him, hey, can I start a New Orleans branch? And they said, absolutely not. Oh, no. No. <laughs> Ab- no. Come on. You're not the face of the franchise. What? Do you want to start a Jersey Mike's? <laughs> That's actually like way more within your talent sphere. But he did it anyway. You know, he just said, all right, well, I'll show them. I'll uh-huh. show them that I'm he good enough to He shot a proof be. of concept for them, yeah. essentially. Like he's like, let me just do a pilot. I'll do a teaser. Uh-huh. And you can see the flow. Yeah. It must be weird having no one that wants you around at all, ever. (laughs) And that's the thing is that actually um, they were right to not want him around because after 
everything came out about Lee Harvey Oswald following the assassination, it ruined the fair play for Cuba committee. They had to shut down. Uh, it, 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 the whole thing fucking ended just because Lee Harvey Oswald had declared himself to be a part of it. But you know, there was one guy who was like, okay, guys, don't worry about it. I heard no press is bad press. <laughs> ah, turns out. Ah. There's one, ah, dang it. <laughs> well, wasn't fair play for Cuba? Isn't the whole concept of let's give Castro a shot? Yeah. Well, Lee Harvey Oswald, when he decided to be the New Orleans president of the Fair Play for Cuba Committee, completely gave his life over to this cause. He optimistically ordered 500 copies of a membership application. <laughs> and, oh, wow. I, I do love he's like, yeah, we're taking applications. You don't just get in. No, 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 no. You have to apply and you yeah. have to interview. Well, the funny thing is that he ordered 300 membership cards because he fully decided that 500 people were going to oh, apply, yeah. but not everybody's going to get in. <laughs> no, not to an exclusive <laughs> club of one like that. And he also ordered up a thousand handbells. After that, Cuba was all Oswald talked about, both to Marina and to what few friends they made in New Orleans, whom he regularly called bourgeois. Mm. <laughs> oh, you know those bourgeois that are hanging out with the uh, with the uh, with the Oswald family from Russia. <laughs> <laughs> Now, since Oswald was spending what little money they had on his imaginary club, there wasn't much left over for prenatal care when it came to the bun in Marina's oven. And Oswald was angry about it because they hadn't lived in New Orleans long enough for free care. It was because of this anger, Marina said, that Oswald expressed resentment specifically towards John F. Kennedy for the first time, saying that Kennedy's father had bought him the presidency. The only thing that matters in this country is money. That's the only thing he used to scream. It's like money. You gotta have to have some kind of, you have to have money to have a baby. You have to have money to have food. You have to have money to have a carousel with your name on it. <laughs> you know I what? can't believe that there's no carousel here with the Lee Harvey Oswald commemorative carousel. <laughs> and I want nothing but, it's gotta be nothing but snakes. <laughs> uh, the yeah. hardest animal to ride. Uh, Mr. Oswald, have you thought about getting a job and making some money? <laughs> You're the funniest broad I've ever met in my life. <laughs> get a job. A job's got to get me. Uh-huh. Uh, Kissel, you're starting to sound a little bourgeois. I am not. <laughs> like, I barely have a towel. <laughs> but at the same time, Oswald was solely focused on eventually escaping to Cuba, and he tried to use Marina to do it. See, Oswald figured that if he could get on his way to the USSR, he could just stop off in Cuba and stay there. I yeah, mean, definitely easy. That's got to be easy. We're, yeah, we're in total. We just try to invade them. Yeah. <laughs> you can totally just go hang out. Yeah. But I mean, honestly, he could have just gone down to Florida, chartered a boat and just gone to Cuba. It's 90 miles. It would take him two hours. Hey, he can't afford that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. All right. Money does make the world go round. So, he had Marina write a letter to the Soviet embassy saying she wanted to return to Russia because she was homesick. And he had her ask for financial aid to bring along her husband, a former defector. He tried pushing that defector angle again. Uh, yeah, you know a guy you said no to, like, many times, right. permanently, to, to cut to, and then you, you cased him? For years, trying to see if, what you could do, you, you put him under surveillance, and then you kicked him out of the country. Uh -huh. Don't you want him back? <laughs> it's never good when the sweetheart name for your husband is dead weight. <laughs> well, part of the reason for this begging was that Oswald had again gotten fired. Oh. 
lost his job at Riley Coffee because, again, while he started off well, he eventually became lazy and would routinely wander off to the auto garage next door to talk guns with the owner. If you're the cool. boss, you just have to be like, you just gotta grease the wheels. That's it. That's all That's you it. have to do. You can talk about communism well covered in grease. As a matter of fact, that might make you feel closer to being a communist. <laughs> <laughs> well, you go and you, because I don't even know what grease in the machines entails. I don't know if it's just straight up square squirting butter into a bunch of gears. <laughs> it doesn't seem like it doesn't take a lot of time necessarily of your day, like working hours. I feel like there is moments where it's like, as long as the machines are greased, right. you could talk about guns as much as you want. Sure. Well, after he got fired, Oswald started collecting unemployment, which meant that he could devote himself to fair play for Cuba full time. Ooh, the irony. Now, concerning the FPC leaflets that Oswald distributed, they were all stamped with the address 544 Camp Street. Now, we're going to fully explore this on our conspiracy episodes, specifically when we talk about the theories of Jim Garrison. But 544 Camp Street was the location of an office belonging to an ex-FBI agent and private detective with the almost too-good-to-be-true name of Guy Bannister. <sighs> Okay, I'm sitting here with my, my whiskey and my revolver and just thinking about the old times, thinking about that time I met old Sheila down in Montego Bay. And, I, <laughs> and in walks in this large-headed son of a bitch with a dream that I, turned out to be a nightmare. <laughs> uh, why is it when I look at you, you're in black and white like noir Spider-Man? <laughs> you are colorblind, my friend. I'm a detective. Ah. <laughs> Now, Guy Bannister was involved in the training of Cuban exiles in the fight against Castro, which was a program sponsored by the CIA. And one of Bannister's brothers-in-arms was a former Civil Air Patrol officer with alopecia named David Ferry. The most surprised-looking man who's ever <laughs> lived. If you look up David Ferry and see the pictures of the pasted-on eyebrows that he has, he's famously played by Joe Pesci in the JFK films, and it is, it's a wild look. Mm-hmm. And to our alopecia listeners, I think it's wonderful. <laughs> I love our alopecia listeners. Sure. I you don't have, have a lot of them. I don't have anything against people with alopecia. Well, you better not. <laughs> now, interestingly, David Ferry had commanded the Dallas Civil Air Patrol when Oswald was a member of the same service at the age of 15. And some conspiracy theorists say that David Ferry, Guy Bannister, and another associate named Clay Shaw were Lee Harvey Oswald's links to the CIA. Now, it had long been debated as to whether David Ferry and Lee Harvey Oswald even knew each other back in the Civil Air Patrol. But a photo from a Cap barbecue in 1955, discovered just a few years ago, had both Ferry and Oswald in the same frame. And laughing. It's but, true, they were laughing in it. But all this proves is they went to the same barbecue. Well, don't tell Oliver well, Stone that. He made an entire <laughs> four-hour movie surrounding this exact idea. But David Ferry also went on to say, the problem is that David Ferry specifically said, I've never met Lee Harvey Oswald. I never had any time with Lee Harvey Oswald. And then you have a picture of them laughing, standing next to each other, both with the same uniforms on. Yeah. Uh, doing bullshit. So again, if you are a conspiracy theorist that that has been waiting, I know I hear you screaming at the podcast. <laughs> I, I hear it coming through. We're gonna get. Yes, there. we're gonna get yeah. through all of this shit. And you are, and the, those of you that are not conspiracy theorists are gonna be d just bored and sad. Well, but the rest <laughs> of us if, are gonna get really, really. <laughs> 
hard for it. For those that haven't noticed at this point, we're structuring the series, giving the the base truth mm-hmm. first, base and then truth. from there These we the- will go to the conspiracies. And, yeah, but w- without the without the base story, then conspiracy loses its uh, weight. These are the facts that we know vaguely for sure. Yes, if there is such a thing as facts. <laughs> What is memory? <laughs> hey, man. What is history but a story? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> but supposing David Ferry and Leah Harvey Oswald did know each other, it isn't much of a stretch to think that Oswald and Ferry ran into each other in New Orleans because New Orleans is a relatively small city yep. and David Ferry was a highly recognizable human being. Going off that possibility, it's also not a stretch to think that Oswald was aware of the anti-communist activity happening at 544 Camp Street under the direction of David Ferry's associate, Guy Bannister. And since we know that Oswald had the mindset of a modern-day internet troll, it's not hard to imagine him printing 544 Camp as the New Orleans Fair Play for Cuba address just to be a dick. Don't know. Don't know. But admittedly, these are assumptions, not facts. Mm. It's just, it is just such a fucking massive quinky doink that I don't, like, it just doesn't sit. It doesn't sit inside of me. It's just too coincidental that, that he would specifically choose this address. We'll get into this. We'll, we'll get into this. Well, that's if you assume that he picked this address out of a hat. That's if you assume that he just picked 544 Camp Street. I think he knew about it. I I, mm-hmm. do, I really do think that this think was so Lee Harvey Oswald trolling Guy Bannister and David Ferry. Okay, that's possible. Because if there was an actual connection to it, if they were actually CIA agents, why the fuck would he print their headquarters on a leaflet promoting communism? What's the reason behind that? Hide what is the point? Because he's in plain sight. Hide in plain sight. But he's also a CIA agent. He's also an asset of the CIA, and now that's this whole other waters. These are these are these are worse waters. But will <laughs> this is this is bad. These are fart filled waters. <laughs> What's one of these? Oh, these bubbles are horrible. Um, <laughs> but let's just the only thing we know for sure is they both love barbecue. Yeah, <laughs> that's the only. That's all we know for now. That is actually true. That is all we know yep. when it comes to Lee Harvey Oswald and David Ferry. They went to the same barbecue. That's great. Yes. Now, predictably, Lee Harvey Oswald did not attract a single recruit for the New Orleans chapter of Fair Play for Cuba. You can just see him flipping through the papers. Rejected! Rejected! (laughs) Rejected! No one even filled this out! Rejected! Rejected! But that didn't stop him from telling Marina that he would be the Prime Minister of the United States within 20 years, owing to his own special genius. That is a lot of conjecture in there. Yeah. You're saying like, like the whole system's going to flip. There's a lot of stuff to unpack and just saying I'm going to be the prime minister yes. of the United States. <laughs> I'm going to be the Pope of Canada within 30 years. <laughs> I feel it. <laughs> but the only positive reinforcement Oswald got was a letter from the Information and Lecture Bureau of the United States Communist Party, who congratulated Oswald on his work on behalf of Fair Play for Cuba. Now, while this letter oh. was well-meaning... It had the unfortunate effect of giving Lee Harvey Oswald encouragement and inflating his ego to the point where he felt important enough to try and infiltrate the enemy. 
Small potatoes. <laughs> I don't just got big potatoes. I got sweet potatoes. <laughs> oh, my. These potatoes so sweet. Put some brown sugar on them. <laughs> Maduros. Yes. That's what they become. So, he initiated contact with a delegate for the New Orleans Anti-Castro Student Directorate named Carlos Bringer and told him that he was willing to train Cubans in the fight against Castro and was even willing to go fight himself. Mm. It's just so obnoxious because he did it in his style, which is he barged in the office. He's just like, I'm going to go and I'm going to fight Castro for you guys. I'm going to show you. And he, he came and he pulled out a Marines like handbook. And he was just like, this is how you build booby traps. I'm going to cover everything <laughs> in booby traps. And the, like, and the guy was just like, it's like, and I, ha, ha, ha. I'm so glad you're here, sir. Um, but, uh, uh no, <laughs> you are, uh, how you say in American, uh, a, a dork. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. But they literally were like, cool. Yeah. Thanks for, thanks for arriving here. Yes. And then he's just like, big potatoes. <laughs> <as> he, walks <laughs> out. he is just living in this fantasy world that everyone else is just, just, just shocked waiting. when they meet him. They're like, what is, what? <laughs> They're just waiting. He thinks that everybody is waiting for a man like him. He th- And every time he thinks, okay, this is going to be the time that I am accepted. But he might have had an ulterior motive here. Because four days later, Bringer's friends came to the offices and told him, hey, there's a guy down on Canal Street that's handing out pro-Castro leaflets next to a sign that said, Viva Fidel, hands off Cuba. <laughs> Wait a second. Does he got a weird-looking head? Did he talk yeah. about potatoes? Uh, he yes, he was sauce? screaming about potatoes. <laughs> and it was Lee Harvey Oswald. No <laughs> shit! <laughs> if you would have told me anyone else, I would have been stunned. Well, pretty soon... Bringer joined a growing crowd of ill-wishers who started pushing Oswald around and, t- yell- and yelling that he should go back to Russia. But before things got too out of hand, the police showed up and arrested everyone involved. It is like but the beginning did- of a confederacy of dunces. <laughs> it is. And he pulled a Richard Spencer a little bit where he, apparently that guy shows up and they're pushing each other, pushing each other. And then finally, he's like, because he's like, I'm going to punch him. I went to punch him. And then Lee Harvey Oswald puts his hands out. It's like, okay, yeah, come on, hit me. Hit me, hit me, hit me, hit me. Come on, hit me, hit me. And he's just like, no, I do not want to. None of you want it. Because he was doing the thing where he was like, hit me. I'm going to make a whole thing and go like, oh, these, oh, they're they're hurting me. Oh, like knowing that he was trying to flip it to be a martyr. And this is classic CIA. Playing the two sides is classic CIA. Like this is all. And then he's smart enough. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know what he's doing. It's the thing. That there, there are a couple of possible motivations here. See, Lee Harvey Oswald had plenty of book smarts. Because when he talked about communism, like there are recordings of him talking about communism, socialism, Marxism. He actually sounds pretty eloquent. But as far as common sense goes, that's in short supply ah. with Lee Harvey Oswald. And Oswald might have seriously thought that he could infiltrate an anti-Castro organization while continuing to very publicly support Fidel Castro, thinking that no one was going to notice. He literally was the president, head of the street team. He was the copy editor. He was the janitor of the Fair Play for Cuba committee. He was the entire committee but the problem and he thought that being the public face of the thing that he could slip in and do both that he was just so fast and so but it's like no you wanted to be noticed 
You went screaming into his office. You did not. You weren't a spy. No. You did the obvious. Right. You were a, a, a spore. <laughs> you were something else. Has there ever been a sandwich board that, unless there is a sandwich price on it, has been anything but unuseful? Like, I mean, every time I see someone with a sandwich board and it's not outside of a restaurant, it's never full of anything good. <laughs> But it's also possible that Oswald created this entire situation specifically so he could stoke a conflict, gain publicity, and become a martyr. Because if there's anything Lee Harvey Oswald loved, it was being a victim. So literally every morning, Lee Harvey Oswald is like... Like uh, like a net betting in American Beauty where she wants to say, like, I'm going to sell the house today. He's just like, I'm going to get killed today. I will do it. I will get killed today. Well, not a martyr this like is... that he's going to get killed. Just a martyr of getting the shit beat out of him. There's something about the the idea of being, which I think makes you a highly dangerous person, and and like it, there's something about the, that concept of being like, I'm gonna gum up the gears today, buddy. <laughs> Everybody's gonna know my name by the end of today because I'm stealing an ice cream truck. I'm gonna park it in the middle of the 405. Like that's all it takes to grind society to a halt. And I think that he was kind of maybe a student a little bit of the Marxist version of like accelerationism, like the idea of build up the conflict so then the whole thing explodes and then see where everything is at the end yeah yeah uh mr oswald you were supposed to grease up the machines and you have purposely gummed them up <laughs> so we're gonna have to let you go <laughs> i switched the grease for peanut butter <laughs> that's why they call me jelly boy <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a different nickname for you shopping for humans is hard but shopping for your dog is easy, thanks to Bark. Because dog can't give you its opinion. But every month we deliver dogs and treats just for your pup because they deserve to be spoiled. And then the dog shows you what they like. It's incredible. Only I could teach Wendy to use an iPad. She's so resistant. She scratches it up, barks at it, barks at me. But if she could use it, she'd order BarkBox for herself. At Bark, we send your dog a whole new collection of toys and treats made just for them every single month. And for a limited time, we'll double your first box for free. How about that? Wendy loves her little toys. Carmi has become quite a terrorist when it comes to her toys. And she's a murderer. She rips these things up. But, you know, we got some high quality, tough toys from BarkBox. And she absolutely loves them. And our family could not be happier. <laughs> and if you just want a slice of this joy, you got to go to BarkBox. To get your free upgrade, go to BarkBox.com slash left. That's right. You can sign up now at BarkBox.com slash L-E-F-T for this exclusive offer. This ad is now over. Let's go back to petting our dogs. No matter what kind of work you do, how you communicate is key. Yeah. Very key. You got to communicate clearly. All these emails, reports, and presentations are equally important to the collaboration needed to get things done. Grammarly can help. Grammarly is your AI writing partner to help you communicate more effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact at work. It's like you're Captain Kirk and Grammarly is Data, and you're kissing a lady on another planet. And Data is just trying to make sure you write better. Better writing means a stronger impact. And Grammarly works across 500,000 apps and websites. And by understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. It did begin to understand when I was yelling and when I was doing bits. 
versus me because I do use Grammarly and it's nice. But I will also say Grammarly does will do the thing where it's like, um, I think maybe you missed the comma. Blah blah blah. When it's like, yeah, I know. Thank you, Grammarly. Like, thank. I get it. Yes. But still, like, maybe we could just think about what I'm going through today, right? But Grammarly really does help because that's what we all need. A stern teacher with glasses and uh, little buckled shoes. That's Grammarly to me. That's what I see. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Sign up and download for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Do you want to set your child up for success? Yeah. So they can do some work finally for once, right? You sit around. They're just playing with their blocks, with their iPads, not bringing any money into the house. What a sham. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework and you find yourself too dumb to help yourself? It's easy with IXL Learning. It's an online learning program. It's for kids. You'll end up learning stuff yourself because adults don't know anything anymore. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way with positive feedback. Honestly, I feel like a lot of children could benefit from IXL learning. I think a lot of adults could benefit from IXL learning because learning gets pumped right in your home. They don't have to go to an elementary school like Adam Sandler did and Billy Madison because that is not yet accepted by society. All right. So you make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And last podcast on the left, listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com slash left. Visit IXL.com slash L-E-F-T to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Well, New Orleans had a huge Cuban exile community, uh, and there really wasn't much that was more provocative in New Orleans yes. at this time than publicly declaring your support for Castro. He knew he was going to get a reaction from somebody. And just to clarify that point wholeheartedly, if you want to know someone who hates Castro, Cubans. Yeah. Cubans hate. That's when Obama began to sort of negotiate yes. with the Cubans a little bit more. He may he angered Floridians quite a bit because people who lived under Castro despise the man. Mm hmm. But no matter his motivations, once Oswald got in the box with the police, secret agent mode kicked in. Whoa! He lied about his address and said that Fair Play for Cuba had 35 members that met monthly. <laughs> it's uh -huh. not even a high number. He could have <laughs> no. said a thousand. He could have said anything. 35. Okay. <laughs> Keep it humble. Keep it humble. He then asked to be interviewed by an FBI agent. And turned out an FBI agent named Quigley had a little bit of extra time. So he said, all right, fuck, I'll come in and talk to him. So over the course of an hour and a half, Oswald embellished even more, saying that the FPC New Orleans branch was actually run by Alec Hedell, oh. which is, of course, Lee Harvey Oswald's alias. I don't know why he did this. I don't know why he brought in the FBI. I don't know why he told them that Alec Cadell was the... It's It's just... It, it just seems like more fantasy making. Right. He asked to be fingerprinted. He wanted his what? mugshot taken. He wanted all of these things to be recorded. But this is totally again, counter to being a spy. But he is also... He is... And it's not conjecture. He is actively being watched by the CIA during this period of time. They are... They have tabs on him. 
They are watching him. Him coming do this kind of stuff. It, again, it, there's just something about being a a vector of chaos that makes you. I think that for the covert world, you're really valuable. I think that somebody that just is a walk and smokescreen all the time is is very very powerful we're seeing it right now very publicly with our president honestly we're seeing somebody who's who can sow all this dissemination all this kind of stuff all this all this fucking conflict it's a really good person to kind of be like all right you take the spotlight now now you're now we're ready for this you're ready for fucking prime time yeah he's a good shill i suppose possibly i don't know or is he just a fucking moron? Is he literally just a an absolute moron that is trying to magically think himself into being a spy? Well, it could also be that Oswald was looking for publicity in order to get more mm. members for fair play for Cuba. That makes sense. He wants to get those numbers up to 36. Because <laughs> <laughs> after he pled guilty to disturbing the peace and after he was fined $10... He found that his actions were covered in the local news. Do you have any idea mm. how difficult it is to get charged with disturbing the peace in New Orleans? <laughs> it never <laughs> stops going. Like, what do you have to do other than scream how you love Castro? Yeah, I mean, he may have orchestrated this entire thing just as a publicity stunt to get himself attention. Mm -hmm. That's maybe that's also another possibility. After getting on TV, Oswald planned a Fair Play for Cuba demonstration and offered two dollars to anyone who would help him pass out leaflets. And you know what? <gasps> Got two people. That's four yep. bucks. <laughs> <laughs> he just technically increased the membership of Fair Play for Cuba two hundred percent. Wow. Now, Oswald was absolutely fucking ecstatic at this point. He had two people working for him, and the local news was paying attention to him. And the demonstration, along with more local TV coverage, gave Oswald a high enough profile to be interviewed as the local communist <gasps> on a New Orleans radio station. That is a dream come true. To be the punchline for local radio DJs? <laughs> <laughs> but he didn't think that was going to be the case. He thought that they were going to be so interested to hear about right. his frame of mind. They, they they were going to be so invested. There's no way they would deeply roast him. I feel like Bob and Tom just really get me in the mornings. <laughs> I don't know why. I just I like Bob why. and Tom. Well, this was serious radio. The, this was actually like, these are actual newsmen that are producing news programs. Okay. No, no, this is not Beaver and the Bear in the morning. Well, what's, you say that as if there's anything remotely close to wrong with Beaver <laughs> and the Bear in the morning. There's absolutely nothing. I love getting the let out. <laughs> so Oswald's 37-minute interview was edited down to a four-and-a-half-minute long segment of Lee Harvey Oswald breaking down the differences between Marxism, socialism, and communism. And as I said, he was admittedly eloquent when he spoke about these topics. He didn't sound like an idiot. He actually sounded like he knew what he was talking about. Mm -hmm. But following that, Oswald was brought back to the station for a debate with his former friend, Carlos Bringer. And this debate was about Fidel Castro and communism, and the radio station had done its homework on Lee Harvey Oswald in the interim. This is a classic producer setup. Oh, yeah. Yes. See, Oswald had always been extremely loud about his attempted defection to Russia, and at least a couple of newspapers had eventually spoken to him about the attempt since he got back. In addition to that, Oswald's dishonorable discharge from the Marines was also a matter of public record, so those two little factoids about Lee Harvey Oswald were used to present him as a liar, a communist, 
and a traitor to his country. Here is a clip of Oswald wriggling like a worm on a fucking hook when the host asked him how he supported himself while living in the Soviet Union, when Oswald had no idea that his time in the Soviet Union was even going to be brought up. Did you have a government subsidy? Uh, well, as I, uh, uh, well, I will answer that, que- uh, that uh, question directly then, uh, since uh, uh, you will not rest until you get your answer. Uh, I worked in Russia. Uh, I was under uh, the protection of the, uh, of the, uh, I was, that is to say, I was not under the protection of the uh, American government, but that is, I was uh, at all times uh, considered an American citizen. I did not uh, lose my uh, American citizenship. Did you say you wanted to at one point, though, or what happened? Well, it's a, a long, drawn-out uh, situation in which permission <laughs> to live in the Soviet Union granted to a foreign resident is very rarely given. Uh, this this requires a certain amount of technicalities, uh, uh, technical papers, and so forth. Uh, at no time, as I say, was I uh, did I renounce my citizenship or attempt to renounce my citizenship, and at no time was I out of contact or uh, with the uh, American embassy. That is the audible description of flop sweat. <laughs> if you re- if you needed to hear what flop sweat sounds like, <laughs> bullshit. Oh my god! You can just hear his feet squeaking under all the water coming from his brow. <laughs> well, after that, Oswald fell apart because he. The rest of the interview is just him getting ripped to fucking shreds. It wasn't even that difficult of a question. <laughs> I don't understand why he couldn't answer it. Well, because he's lying. Ah. He did renounce his American citizenship. He was specifically anti-America. That's the reason why he went to Russia in the first place. He defected. He was saying, fuck you to America to leave. So now he is trying to softball answer the question because he's got his scopes on it. It's a bunch of people saying, so so you're saying fuck America? So you're saying you're telling America to go fuck yourself? And he's just like, I told America to go... Love itself. I feel that America needs more self-love. Right. And that's where I'm coming from. But didn't they just, why didn't he just be loud and proud and anti-American? That's his whole brand. I just don't, he didn't have, he was not thinking about his brand. Because he's a pussy, Kissel. Because he's a fucking, he couldn't do it. He doesn't have a lot of spine. Okay. He'd suffered an extremely public humiliation, and Marina said that following the debate, he became even more disconnected from reality than he'd been before. She said he would sit on their front porch for hours, opening and closing the bolt on his rifle, aiming it at imaginary targets in the dark, and dry-firing the gun, while thinking about God knows what. He, I don't know how to, because it, it is sort of like... Again, if all of this didn't lead to him assassinating the president, it would be this weird kind of vaguely dangerous emo freakout. Yeah. Right. He just started roaming the streets at night. Yeah. Also started going to target practice. He'd hide his rifle underneath this big, dark raincoat, which he would wear even on the hottest of New Orleans summer nights. Hmm. When Marina asked him why he was doing this, he said he was preparing to leave for Cuba and was thinking about hijacking a plane to get there. But I tell you this right now, Marina, I'm not even going to try to hijack that plane. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to wait till the plane's going. I'm going to grab one of the wheels. 
and I'm just going to go up there on my own. I'm just going to fly up in the air because clouds are communists and they're going to protect me up there. <laughs> so you're just going to, you're going to, maybe I could just buy a plane ticket. Ah. Yeah, why don't you just try to get a plane ticket, not grab I'm going outside with my best friend gun. <laughs> this gun is the only one who gets me. It's a clever name for your gun. Gun is just the name of the gun. He's a simple, he's a simple gun. He's a simple boy. And what he did seriously consider the hijacking plan. He started studying airline schedules and he would physically train for days, running around their apartment in his underwear, practicing leaps because he thought oh. leaping would be a necessary skill to hijack a plane. Oh, God. Me small potatoes because small potatoes touch the ceiling, man. <laughs> just in his tidy whities. Can small potatoes do this? You know, you know what's kind of fun when you kind of put your hands at a table and kind of kick your legs up in the air? Yeah. Up, do this, do this. <laughs> Warrior 3! Oh I'm doing Warrior 3! Wow. Strangely, though, Oswald actually became less violent after the public humiliation he suffered on the radio. In fact, after he kind of abandoned the hijacking idea, Oswald seemed excited about their second child, whom he suggested they name Fidel. Clever name. <laughs> Very clever name. With any luck, it'll come out fully bearded. <laughs> Oh, worst. man, that'd be so weird. But it was just all placenta. <laughs> <laughs> My worst mm. bully was named Fidel. Used there was a Fidel in Texas? There was a Fidel in Texas. He used to headbutt me in the lunchroom, and one time he picked me up and spiked me down on the ground so hard he broke my collarbone. Well, he's a funny guy, but <laughs> why Fidel? I, why, that's a strange name for very, anywhere, but especially Texas. Very strange name. No, Fidel. Is there any was other Fidel room? One of the guys? Was Fidel one of the guys who farted on you? Uh, no, Fidel was strictly physical violence. Mm. See? So the fart guys were the nice guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, Oswald seemed to calm down for a bit, even if he did act in a somewhat eccentric manner. Near the end of his tenure in New Orleans, Oswald would sit around the house naked all day long and very hot. And he would spend his evenings on the porch screwing around with his rifle or reading spy novels. But... There might have been a reason for Oswald's sudden change in personality. During that time, an assistant district attorney claimed that Oswald came into his office extolling the virtues of LSD, asking if it was legal to import, meaning Oswald might have briefly been expanding his mind. Or he wanted to get back to the mind expansion of his times at the super secret YouTube base in Japan. Well, then wouldn't he just get the LSD? Why would he need to go somewhere and be like, is it legal to ship LSD? Why was this man so dumb? <laughs> what happened? He just, he just like, he just was, I think the term the kids are using is extra. Yeah. Uh. He's, he's super extra. He wanted you to know what he was doing at all times and always be whatever is the most contrary. But honestly, sitting on a porch naked with nothing but sandals on playing with a gun is actually fun acid activity. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you're listening to Jimmy Buffett, not Karl Marx. <laughs> <laughs> but on September 7th, Lee Harvey Oswald was possibly brought back to his old ways of thinking by an interview given by Fidel Castro. Although this is again, this is speculation. Although Oswald's actions at this time do suggest a cause and effect here. In that interview, Castro ripped John F. Kennedy and claimed that the CIA was trying to kill him. Which, 
They absolutely were. Why do all these cigars keep on exploding? <laughs> Think about that. We couldn't just go bomb them. They wanted to put bombs inside of cats to explode him. Yeah. The CIA tried to kill Castro so many times. The subject has its own Wikipedia page. <laughs> they did not do a good job. No. No. While the CIA claims to have only tried to kill Castro eight times between 1960 and 1965, a former Cuban intelligence chief puts the number at 638 attempts I, between Eisenhower and Clinton. I, Reagan's, got, Reagan's got the top. He's got the most. <laughs> they didn't want him dead. They really they, they, they didn't they, really want him no, dead. They, they, could they have. were they were invoicing ours. That's yes. what this sounds like. <laughs> that this is just a reason for an invoice because you're like cuz could we just send shock troops? Yeah, can't you just snipe him from Florida? Well, they tried poisoning cigars with botulism. They tried the of course the exploding cigars. Uh, they tried recruiting ex-lovers to slip poison pills. Apparently during wow. that time the woman went in she got back mm-hmm. into Cuba. She got into Fidel's Castro's room and she had the poison pills. He discovered the plot, so he handed her a gun and said, Shoot me. Fucking shoot me right now. There you go. Do it. Did it work and it happened? Did not happen. She no! didn't do it. <laughs> So the CIA what, what, is not the it? most. The CIA is. The, I don't. After watching the Spy Masters on Hulu, I no longer. I mean, they are not innocent. They are not. No, no, I'm not going not. to go ahead and say that they had positive or like uh, altruistic motives here. No. But honestly, dudes, like just fucking explode it. Yeah. Just blow them up if we're going to do this shit. And that is a good reminder. The FBI and the CIA, even in the context of the life that we're living in now, these are not two innocent. Uh, these are not two innocent agencies. No, CIA has been a part no. of some of the worst things in human history. Absolutely, so don't, fucking don't not. lose sight of that. That's do, all I'm saying. Don't lose that, and don't think that we're fucking you know blowing what? the CIA just because we're saying that Lee Harvey o- or just because I'm saying Lee Harvey Oswald uh, was not a part of a CIA plot to kill the president. The CIA has done some real evil, bad shit over the years. You do get the feeling, though, why didn't one CIA agent just be like, so uh, what if we shoot him? And they're like, that's a really good idea. Agent Reynolds, what's your idea? What if what if I ate poison and then we get a, <laughs> what if we make, we find a listen, fecal fuel? No, listen. <laughs> okay, okay, listen, all right? Yeah. You eat poison. Yeah. We get your shit. Yes. From eating the poison after yes. you die, right? Yes. We take that shit. We make it look like a chocolate cake. Yes. <laughs> we send it over with the girl with no top on over yes. there for his birthday party. He eats the cake. Shit cake. Which is shit. Yeah. Then we got him. So, again, why don't we just go shoot him? Shut up. You're an idiot. We don't just shoot him. You're boring. You're dumb. It's not fun. But they did try the more, like, mundane methods of assassination. It just never worked out. Is there a possibility that all this is just R&D? That they're literally just doing these things is almost an excuse to see... What we can do, Maybe. or your own, because now I get into the reading about this case. Fucking hurts my brain because then there's the double, double things where they come up with these ludicrous ways of killing Castro as the sort of way to trump up of seeing like see how clever we are like on a 
public scale where we're it's like these phantom patents that are being done by covert operations right now where they're they're doing theoretical patents for UFO technology that we don't have yet but almost in a way it's 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 kind of like a it's this it's this fucking in a riddle inside of enigma where <laughs> the outside is supposed to also be confusing like all of these attempts are supposed to be confusing but in the inside we're doing something even more direct or whatever hear me out Infinity Stones. <laughs> Maybe that'll do it. Well, the thing about Cuba is that Cuba is a very small country, and it's hard to get close to Fidel Castro. Like, in Cuba, like I know there were agents that tried to get in and try to get close to Castro, but everybody knows everybody. So they were able to fucking see this person be like, oh, I don't know you. You can't get close to but Castro. The, the thing with Fidel is every time I get close, he pushes me away, <laughs> and I have tried. I have tried to get close to him. <laughs> and so, in the 1963 interview that Fidel Castro gave, he boldly stated that two could play the assassination game. Oh. And about three weeks later, Oswald and Marina left New Orleans for Texas so Oswald could take a trip to Mexico to beg his way into Cuba. See, Oswald wanted to be an active guerrilla, fighting the forces of imperialist capitalism on the ground. And he begun to think, possibly inspired by Castro's speech, that violence was the only effective tool in the fight for international communism. He got all of this. He got the gun with the coupon. He can't hate <laughs> capitalism that much. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You got a deal. <laughs> now, again. Oswald's time in Mexico is hotly debated, with some claiming that Oswald never even went to Mexico. God. But there are not only witnesses that place Oswald in Mexico two months before the assassination of JFK, but there's also paperwork to back it up. On September 25th, Oswald cashed his unemployment check and took the bus down to Mexico, bragging to his fellow passengers that he was the secretary of the New Orleans branch of Fair Play for Cuba, and he was on his way to see Castro. He didn't even make himself the president? I tell you what, you should meet the president. You should meet the president because he's so tall and he's so sexy, and oh man, he kisses so good, and oh man, it's just so nice. The kind of, oh, you should have his gumbo. (laughs) Why, Why is that disgusting when you say it, Henry? Have some of my gum. <laughs> <laughs> but along the way, Oswald would usually eat alone. And because he didn't know Spanish, he usually ended up with full meals instead of appropriate roadside snacks because he was just pointing to menus and fully eating whatever was given to him. Honestly, I'll eat this, ma'am. I'll eat this. All right, what is, what is, uh, what's the English word for taco? <laughs> what's the English word for, uh, what is the English word for empanada? I'm going to have this. You bringing me dessert? You just costing me extra money? What? What are you doing to me? I'm not just some eating machine. Oh man, he's living the dream. And so he kept eating full ass meals. He spent all of his money going down to Mexico eating huge meals because he just couldn't say like those tacos. He literally was just pointing at menus, and then when the dessert and drinks were included, they'd bring them. He'd be like, "Get this away from my table! I didn't pay for this." And they tr- were all like trying to say, "No, this is free." This comes with your meal, and he would shoo them away from him. (laughs) Oh, God. And so when they got to Mexico, Oswald was predictably surly. 
but it had a big full belly and it had a very frustrating trip. I'm stuffed full of guac and none of it's going anywhere. I tell you what, and I, I honestly could have used some smaller potatoes in some of those meals. Well, upon his arrival, Oswald checked into a hotel and went to the Cuban embassy to obtain a visa to Cuba, saying he only wanted to visit on his way to the Soviet Union. Mm. Of course, he figured once he got to Cuba, he'd talk to the right people, they'd hand him a gun, and that would be it. Of course. That's it. Yes. That's it. I'm the guy. They knew that. They knew that from the beginning. So easy. Easier than cooking a pizza. Uh, I know it. (laughs) But unlike his previous trip, he was told that it would take weeks for proper authorization, because this was after the world had almost been blown up in the Cuban Missile Crisis, and Cuba was a hard spot for an American to get to. He would have just been treated so horribly. Yeah. If you went to, like, man, oh, this yeah. man is delusional and insane. So since Oswald only had a few days left on his Mexican tourist visa, he walked over to the Soviet embassy to see if they could help him out. And since this was Mexico, next door to the U.S., the Soviet embassy was staffed completely by KGB agents. And these agents immediately saw Oswald as mentally unstable. And they weren't any more interested in his quote-unquote secrets than the KGB was the first time he tried. Mm. So they diplomatically told him to come back the next day so they could double-check with headquarters to make sure this guy was worthless. As a matter of fact, we're going to triple-double-check, so don't think this is not dog shit. We're not lying to you. We're going to quadruple-double-check the triple-double-check as well. Let us do something we don't normally do for the KGB. It is a pinky swear. (laughs) When Oswald returned, they told him that it would take four months for his visa to be granted from Mexico through Cuba, which is about as good as telling them to fuck off forever. Now, Oswald completely lost it at the embassy, reportedly saying, quote, This won't do it for me. This is not my case. For me, it is all going to end in tragedy. See, what Oswald told him was that the FBI was after him, and he was trying to escape persecution, trying to make himself sound important. The FBI was watching him, but they were not after him. Well, so if you're the KGB, you're just like, oh, so you could just bring us a whole bunch of fucking headaches? <laughs> Get out of <laughs> here. Literally, you are being, because this whole block is being watched by the CIA, this whole thing, and yeah. so you're just bringing heat in here? Mm-hmm. And the agents did indeed say that Oswald looked highly anxious, and when he pled with them again, he was hysterical and sobbing, saying, <laughs> quote, I am afraid I am afraid they'll they'll kill me. Let me in, please. Uh, please. Oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Oswald. We don't let bitches into Russia. <laughs> yeah. You were going to make it, though. Sorry. <laughs> then he pulled out his 38 special and waved it around in the air while he was crying, <laughs> saying that this is what I got to carry to protect I my life. I got to carry it. <laughs> I have to. How do you look weak while waving a gun? <laughs> Of course, the agents just fucking see, they grab the gun from him. Well, the way these KGB agents broke this down, too, it's the same sort of nonchalant way the CIA always talks about their bullshit as well, right. where they were just super cool and casual. It obviously could not have un- it could not have affected them at all. They did not give a shit. So they're like, yes, Oswald, he comes in, and he, uh, he is very emotional, and he's making a speech. He pulls out the gun, and he says, I have gone, and so I just, you know, I, I take it from him. But it's like, literally the way he, they talk about it is that he was, he was pointing it back and forth, and they said, stop. 
and then <laughs> calmly took the gun away from him, just being like, "Do you need uh, tea or something? Do you need tissue? You, you are crying in a way that makes me want to garrot you. I want to fucking kill you." After that, the undercover KGB agents told him, "There's no way in hell." You're ever going to get a visa. So he went back to the Cuban in- embassy to try them one more time. He, he sh- Okay. And they, too, politely declined. Yes. <laughs> and so on October 2nd, Oswald paid his hotel bill and took a bus back to Dallas. Oh, man. So here's your bill. It's $80, Mr. Oswald, and uh, $5,000 in room service. You just never said no. <laughs> I don't want all this food. <laughs> I'm, I just, I've had so many chips, and, and the water's making me poop. And now the poop is coming out, and, and the food's got to go in faster. <laughs> uh, concerning the question of whether Oswald was really in Mexico or not, the three KGB agents confirmed that they spoke with them, but... It's the KGB, so take that as you will. Who knows? But paperwork-wise, Oswald's confirmed signature was on the visa application, and his photo was taken down there in Mexico. Plus, his expert-verified signature was recorded at the registry at the hotel, which all strongly suggests that, yes, he was in Mexico during this time. Now, the CIA was naturally surveilling the Russian embassy in Mexico, taking photos of everyone coming and going. That means that they should have gotten photos of Oswald going in and coming out. Mm -hmm. But (gasps) the CIA claims that their cameras weren't working on the day that Oswald went to the embassy. And that's why they don't have photographic evidence of Lee Harvey Oswald in Mexico. Epstein didn't kill himself. (laughs) (laughs) It's another again, and but that's also again coming from the CIA, who's there. So their cameras just weren't working yeah, that day. They just didn't have cameras on the Russian embassy that day. They didn't get f- new other cameras in there. No one was taking pictures that day, so it was a no picture day. Could it be that the CIA is trying to hide their knowledge of Lee Harvey Oswald because they spent countless hours and dollars trying to prevent something like the assassination from happening and utterly failed because? They didn't take Oswald seriously? That's one. Or is the CIA trying to cover up something different entirely? Did the CIA know that Oswald was an extremely dangerous person? Are those classified documents about Oswald hiding information that pegged Oswald as a clear and present danger? Mm -hmm. And if that is the case, then why is the CIA hiding those documents? Why are you hiding the documents? Oh, my God. And this begs the question... Who shot JR? I love that show, Dallas. <laughs> well, those questions and more will, of course, be answered or, at the very least, examined on later episodes. Woo! Well, they definitely released a picture. Because you remember also after this, they said the cameras weren't working. And then they said, actually, no, we do have a picture of Lee Harvey Oswald. And then it was a picture of someone who obviously was not Lee Harvey Oswald. That was what was sent to the Warren Commission. So they are actively covering up something. Yeah. Then there's witnesses inside the CIA the, the, uh, inside of the CIA that it said that they saw pictures of Harvey Oswald, one of him in profile, one of him outside of the actual like waiting to get in of inside of the embassy. And apparently they were purposefully destroyed for some reason. Like he mm. wasn't one of the most nefarious criminals in U.S. history, they just kind of casually destroyed those pictures of him. Well, to be fair, we wouldn't be interested in that. But to be fair, at this point, he is still a nothing. 
He's still an. He's or, on the radar. He's still enough. There's a lot of people on the CIA radar. They're very. They were the the '60s counterculture was entirely the CIA. Mm-hmm. So after being rejected by two different communist countries, Oswald returned to Dallas, ashamed, angry, and bitter, and he filed for unemployment while he searched for a steady job. Yes, I hate this country, but I will take the unemployment. <laughs> 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 Reminds me when I worked with the libertarians for that brief moment, and the person oh, took sure. every single free thing the city offered. He had it around <laughs> his neck, he had, like the free MTA, the free taxi. And I was like, "Why do you do that?" He's like, "They're offering it." It's like, well, <laughs> well, after a failed job interview, Oswald finally contacted his wife, who had fully expected the next call from her husband to be from Cuba. Instead, Lee Harvey Oswald was calling from the YMCA. Damn it, she thought she got rid of him. I know. He complained again about how unfairly he'd been treated, and Marina said he never brought up Cuba or Fidel Castro ever again. Now, Marina had been staying with a friend named Ruth Payne, and Marina mentioned that her husband needed steady work. And so, Ruth Payne helped out Lee Harvey Oswald. And on October 16th, about six weeks before JFK's visit to Dallas... Oswald began his new job at the Texas School Book Depository overlooking Dealey Plaza. And that's where we'll pick back up for JFK Part 3. All right, there it is, JFK Part 2. Thank you all so much for listening. This is... uh who knew that Lee, Ar- Lee Harvey Oswald, his story, I mean, this is two parts now on Lee Harvey Oswald alone. Yeah. It's a fascinating tale. Yeah, and it's very complicated, of course. Of course. Absolutely. And I really appreciate our deep dive on this because, again, I did not know a heck of a lot about just Lee Harvey Oswald when we started. And I like building this case as we go. Again, these are just the facts as we know them. But I I have bought some books Uh-oh. <laughs> for the latter half of this series that, I mean, I mean, Nat just straight up said it because I think people joke about being on lists sure. for various things. And I think that this this controversy has gotten on so long but that i mean it's got it's lost some of its heat so i don't know if necessarily just because i'm looking deep into the connections between jfk and the secret space program that i won't get audited this year i feel right. like we're past it well i guess the main question here is henry how much is the mailman winking at you when he delivers the books <laughs> is he just like oh okay yeah we got this we got this yeah he's, he's like Another truth warrior, I see. (laughs) It's nice to have that community. Um, All right, everyone. Well, thank you all so much for listening to the last podcast on the left. We really appreciate it, as always. We have a bunch of dates coming up in April. We are super excited to see everyone on the road. Um, Also, I have my documentary showings in March. So if you have a chance, go to my Instagram at BenKissel1 or my Twitter at BenKissel, and you can see all the dates there. Uh, so that'll be super exciting. Check out Henry's movie After Midnight, uh, yes! which is very exciting. We're still out there. We strong, having a good time. Absolutely. Uh, check out all our other podcasts. We have so much shit coming down the pipe. Buy the book, barnesandnoble.com. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. We are so excited for the book uh, to come out so you can actually touch it in your hands. And, uh, man, I don't know. Marcus, you're just a very talented writer. And oh. I, I know people are going to, uh, they're just going to love the book. So thank you all so much for your support. Thank you very much for those kind words. I appreciate yes. that. Well, but as, it really yes. is a, a monumental success of what you've done, Marcus. And we have written on those coattails. <laughs> yes. Get, get you a friend with strong coattails, folks. That's what life is all about. Well, yeah, you can pre-order the 
book on uh, barnesandnoble.com. You can get a, uh, a signed copy there. But you can also pre-order your book from uh, your local bookseller. And I also want to thank, speaking of local booksellers, I want to thank uh, Midtown Scholar yes. over in uh, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania for sending us a fantastic treasure trove of books uh, as they do uh, about once a year. Uh, so yeah, if you're around, yep. if you're ever around Midtown Scholar, go and, uh, and check that place out. If their library is anything like the books they send us in the mail, it is a last podcast on the left fans fucking dream. Yes, thank you all so much for that. Thank you, Midtown Scholars. That's incredibly sweet. Marcus opened that box like a child opening up a Christmas gift he always wanted to get. <laughs> I mean, it was all about how the CIA helped like kill the 60s counterculture and stuff like that, but you know. Are there, bo- there are books in their earmark for me too, right? Yes. I gotta see some of them. Yes. Yeah, they gave yes. you the alien ones. No, oh, yeah, boy. Yeah, that's what I like. <laughs> I, I can't wait. This will be fun, but we will get back into some weirdness this year, and I'm very, very excited. Hey, Henry, I just realized I want to congratulate you for not mentioning Dune. This is the first <laughs> show where you have not mentioned Dune, I want to say, in five months, and I'm just happy you're almost done with the series. Only fools prefer the past. <laughs> <laughs> There all right, everyone, keep on supporting all the shows here on the Last Podcast Network. With, uh, with, uh, Wizard and the Bruiser, Page Seven, Able Against Top Bat, uh, Movie Signs with the Mad. Just please, su- please support God. Please and thank support you us. again for all of the wonderful support we've gotten from people through this whole change over to Spotify. We're working on all of the bullshit. Thank you again. It means so much to us that you guys have followed us over here. Yes, we really appreciate it. And don't forget to uh, check out No Dogs in Space as well. The uh, full series we did on the Stooges is now out. It's four parts. And the response we've gotten so far uh, from this series has been fucking fantastic. So also thank you so much uh, for supporting that show. So again, we are talking with Spotify about some of the app crashes we we got we're, we're been bringing bodies over there so it's it's very intense for them but the big thing I want y'all to do is if you are having problems with the app a good thing to do is refresh it is to delete it and re-download it because yes. you might have an old version of it there's been a bunch of new patches I know I'm the same way I've had Spotify on my phone for years but now I've been I use it a lot so, so it's been fucking I've had it updated several times it really is just the app version of unplug it and plug it back in yeah uh, so hopefully that can help resolve any of the issues and we are speaking with Spotify we are working on everything and uh, and they've been very receptive they really they have, know so. what's going on there we are we all want y'all to be as entertained as humanly possible we, we want you to be happy entertained and uh, and stick stick around and stick with us we're doing our very best and thank you all so much for the support in this uh, in the transition, it was a it was a big deal for us, and we really appreciate all the lovely responses and just the, the kind hearts of our listeners. So thank you all so much, and folks, never forget, hail yourselves, hail Satan, hail Gein, Magustalations. Mm, help me, help me. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors, you can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Hey mom, first things first, thank you. It's my one year anniversary of my decision to say, yes, I need help, and yes, I choose me. And that's the miracle. I'm lucky that the strongest person I know is my own mother. Love you mom, Maxwell. Be that strong person who makes the difference. If your loved one is struggling with drugs and alcohol, reach out to Karen for a different kind of addiction treatment. Visit caron.org slash lost.
In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia.